Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to the Film Board, part of the Next Real family of film podcasts here on True Story FM. On this episode, we are talking about Joe Pena's, aka Mystery Guitar Man's, new science fiction film starring Anna Kendrick, Tony Collette, Daniel Day Kim, and Shamir Anderson. 
It is stowaway. Zoe, I'm a doctor. I want you to focus on slowing down your breathing. Into your nose, out through your mouth. Hi, Michael. I'm Marina Bunnett, the commander of the ship. Do you remember what happened on the pad? I'm a launch support engineer, ma'am. How long was I out? We took off about 12 hours ago. 12 hours? I need to get back to my sister, no. please. My sister, she's alone, please. Right. I gotta get back. We're not going back. What do you mean we're not going back? This is a two-year mission. Two years is a long time to be away, but this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I can learn fast. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We are taking the first steps to being able to call Mars a second home. We're sorry that you missed the filet mignon, but this is the next best thing. We think it's spaghetti. I should warn you now that Zoe thinks she's the in-flight entertainment. There's <laughs> <laughs> no easy way to say this support is damaged permanently. We only have enough oxygen board for three people. Everyone on board will suffocate before we ever make it to Mars. Hey, Ava, I gotta face the fact that I'm not gonna be there with you. This research is years of our lives. Are we sure we want to throw it all away? How much time do we have before it's too late? 20 days. I think we should put ourselves at risk. For their sanity, they need to try this. This is hopeless. That is it. There's no way for all of us to survive. It's imperative that we try. My name is Andy Nelson, host of The Next Reel, and today I'm joined by several other voices in The Next Reel family to get their thoughts on this movie so we can share them with all of you. Tommy Metz Third. It is a pleasure to be here, and thank goodness just we have official confirmation that space is the worst <laughs> all the time. Absolutely, 100%. Space can go screw. Okay. <laughs> That's right. And Jordan Peterson. I'm Jordan Peterson, but not that Jordan Peterson. Um, also, <laughs> the other one. Uh, the other, I'm the other Jordan Peterson. There's only two of us. One of us is famous. <laughs> Guess which one? Not me. Anyway, uh, Tommy, I didn't see your your uh, your intro written down in the show notes, which makes me think that uh, you just came up with that on the fly, and now I feel inferior. So I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> Look what you've done, Tommy. Look what you've done. Well, are we outing? We're also outing me by my real name instead of Tommy Handsome, which I'm 100% fine with. But this is unprecedented. Uh, you know what? It's time to shake things up a little bit. I it's say, time right? to shake things up. And I'm just going to, yeah, I mean, the paparazzi is already outside. It's going to be okay. <laughs> there, hey, I there. like that. Third time's the charm, too. So yeah, yeah. we feel like we're with the right one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as we say on the next reel, when the movie ends, our conversation begins. So let's talk. 
First things, before we talk about our initial thoughts, that's usually how we kick things off, but I, I really want to know. Uh, so I don't know how familiar either of you are with Joe Pena, who is the director of this particular film. Uh, no. the, but he did a film before this called Arctic with Mads Mikkelsen, where he is stranded in the Arctic and he is trying to get away. And he like a, there's a helicopter that's coming to save him, I believe, and it crashes and he has to make the decision, am I going to wait for somebody else to come or am I just going to brave the Arctic and just to try to get out of here on my own. I didn't know he directed that because that was kind of like gravity in snow. Right. Which is very interesting. Like it was a very local, like it's sort of a, oh, wow, that's interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. the reason I bring this up, and this is because I find this so fascinating now that I know about this, that, and that also is a, a cast of three in that film. Right. I mean, it's a very small cast. But that film, when they put it together, it was originally intended to be set on Mars and actually connected to this film. But he was doing that when all of a sudden The Martian came out and they realized, oh, you know what? That's exactly the same story. Oh. We need to change that because it just, it would have been too too much the same. And so they changed it to the Arctic. But how interesting is that, that this huh. was actually meant to be the second in a series of films that, that Pena was doing about stories related to journeying to Mars. That's, a, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And now I really want to see Arctic, which I missed, but I was very curious about it. And I think it's because I confused it with Polar, which is Mickelson's other movie that he did about uh, being up in the snow. But that was like the crazy one, right? (laughs) That was the the one that I think was supposed to be not as good. Right. right. (laughs) It was was not intended to be good. Right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see? Are you sure they didn't just make Arctic like the way that they intended to on Mars and then just and to just like change a color filter, like to release it as Arctic. Is it? I, I would love to. Th- yeah, Instead that would red. It was white. Right. Exactly. And the the bear was a big. Like, uh, what, every, every time their back is turned, they go burr <laughs> <laughs> through terrible ADR. Right. Right. It's so cold out here. Yeah. Boy, it's not like this Mars spacesuit. <laughs> <laughs> they had to CG out the like gas masks and everything. A lot right. of extra work. A lot of extra work. It went into that one. All right. Well, but we are here to talk about Stowaway, the potential second of this Mars series that uh, that Pena would have been doing. So let's start talking about our initial thoughts of the film. Tommy, let's kick it off. What do you think of this? I didn't know much about this movie before I saw it. I knew um, uh, Anna Kendrick and I wish I didn't. Honestly, I wish I didn't know the title of the movie because the title Stowaway, you're just sort of like, well, (laughs) Everyone's accounted for. Don't open that closet. Like it's a little, it's sort of like tipping towards it. But overall, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was at times extremely economical. It was very small in scope, in the morality play that it is, but then also managed to have this. I've never known how to say this word. It's a fancy word, brava. It means like, whoa, sequence, brava, bravo. Has anyone heard this word? I think Uh-oh. you're making it up, but I'm I'm willing to accept. Okay, B R A U V U A. It's something like that. Um, oh, bravura. It's this. <laughs> Is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're you're meaning bravura. <laughs> oh no! I tried to make <laughs> or it bravura. The... Yeah. Bravo. Okay, let's take it from the top. Hey but everybody! Like bravo. Welcome to the film board. <laughs> Welcome to the film. I think I wanted to call it like that. Bravo. This uh, once they finally leave the ship, it is this. I was just on 
the edge of my seat the whole time with how scary it was when they get into the spacewalk thing. So I thought it was really well filmed. I thought it was very well acted. There's not a ton to it, but I kind of liked that about it. And I thought it was a very, a really nice addition to the, how space is the worst and how scary things are presented to you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jordan, what do you think? I, I, I really, really enjoyed it as well. I, I think, um, to call it economical is a great, um, it's a great word to use. It's very true. Um, it's it's an, an incredibly tightly written film and very small, uh, but without feeling lazy, which mm. I think sometimes um, I and space movies in particular, it can be easy to get trapped in this sort of sense of like, well, I'm just going to show how boring and isolated it feels in space. And just you have these overlong sequences that just sort of eat up film time. Um, which this film didn't do. There was always there's there was always forward momentum, um, which I really appreciated. I saw a preview. I also wish that I had known nothing going in. I also wish that it had maybe mid named something else. But that said, you know, uh, <laughs> no I, stowaways here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's called only three crew members. <laughs> just, just the three, of them. Just the the three, three Mars of buddies, <laughs> three <laughs> Mars buddies, and no one else. <laughs> um. I thought that the, you know, uh, again, to sort of riff on Tommy's comments, the, the, the morality play was really, um, was really sophisticated. It was really well handled. Um, my, I had my wife watch the second half of it with me, um, because I had started it on my own, um, and then had to, had to finish it later. And she walked in and, and I, and I said, I'll, I'll summarize what's happened up to this point. So I kind of like caught her up and then we watched together and she's like, so wait, is nobody a bad guy? And I was like, no, right. nobody's yeah. a bad guy. They're actually all really wonderful people. And yeah. like, this is, I mean, I, the, the only, the last thing I'll say is that I so appreciate a movie like this that actually, I don't think it's, it's not science fiction. It's just fiction. Like there's nothing here that is, that is straining the sort of known boundaries of our technology mm. and science. And so, uh, you know, if, you know, give us two years or whatever, like we could build that and do it. Like that, that could happen like right away. Like everything that they did, we have the technology for it. Every single thing that we see in this movie is possible. Um, not even possible. But like it's like stuff we've sort of already built already. We just haven't put it together that way yet. And so it, it just felt incredibly authentic, which I very, very much appreciate. I'm like, I want more and more and more movies like this where we just see the, the actual kind of you know, possibility of what human beings can do and what we're trying to do and kind of give us that, that sense of, um, for forward, forward, my gosh, that word forward <laughs> momentum as a Try species. saying bravo. <laughs> <laughs> for forward. <bravo. laughs> uh, I love what uh, Jordan said about the fact that there's no real villain other than space itself. I, I know we're just in initial thoughts, but I want to touch yeah. on that more later. Andy. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, just to also follow up on what Jordan was saying, it's, it's, that was something that really, uh, captured me over the course of the film is how authentic so much of this was feeling like, uh, and I looked at, I was kind of looking into this and I learned that, uh, the director, uh, used YouTube video blogger, astronomy and space enthusiast, Scott quote, fly safe manly, who actually consulted on the film, did orbital mechanics math, uh, 
to make sure the movie setting and plot are as scientifically accurate as possible. Wow. And so I was like, that's really interesting because it, it, there were so many conversations that they were having about these scientific things that, I mean, it felt authentic. And what I really liked about it, it, it was like, this wasn't like the first mission to Mars. Like they were already sending stuff to Mars. Like it was already kind of something that right. had, they were in the process of exploring. This was just a trip to Mars. And I'm like, okay, so it just, it's, it's setting it in a place where it just feels like this is just a, I mean, I don't want to say a standard trip, but it's it certainly is just another trip. They they know what they're doing. They have everything lined up. They already have sent you know supplies to Mars and everything, and so they're just going. And I'm like, that was actually really kind of exciting. I liked the way that that was set up. I also liked how contained the whole thing was. And how we really were just on the ship with these people. And that's all we really hear from. I was a little um, curious where the story was going to go once our stowaway appeared. Because I was like, okay, so did he really... Well, like, was he really trying to stow away on the ship? Is he, is, are we going to go into thriller territory here or is it kind of a horror to switch up? Like, where are we going with this? And the fact that it never went there, honestly, it was like almost the most straightforward way to play the story. But by doing that, it ended up being the most, um, for me, engaging way to play the story. I, I, I was kind of really excited that it was just such a straightforward, like serious morality tale about how would you deal with this if this happened in this particular situation. Not having a twist was the twist. Yeah. Because there's so many, apart from things like gravity, there's so many movies where there's always, especially in in quote unquote morality plays, there's always a villain. There's someone that has the space crazies, like in Sunshine or Event Horizon. If you want to do the other side, the abyss, if you want to trade, because like, uh, you know, water is, is inhospitable as space. Someone always breaks down under the pressure. This, the lazy version of this would have been that. Of that one of them becomes, but instead, yeah, like Jordan said, they're all like great. And it was so refreshing and nice to not have someone go, we got to get in there and hit him with a hammer, a space hammer and stuff. It was instead, it was like, no, let's figure this out and let's like out humane each other. It was really, and then he, yes, he sold me. I had the same feeling that you did of like, wait, because also I think that was part of me having to quickly swallow. There was a person in the ship. Like at the beginning of the movie, they're like, are you a go? Go. Are you a go? Go. None of the goes were, where's Carl? Like, like it just seems like that's a kind of a big pill to swallow is that there can actually be someone in the ship hidden that no one knows is there. But if you get rid of that pretty quickly, then uh, yeah, it really works for me. And what, oh, what I was going to say is I stopped believing that he was going to be a potential problem because he acted so well in that first, when he starts having the panic attack and when his entire face crumbles and his tears leak, when he says the word home, I want to go home. I was like, oh, I feel for this character as much as everyone else in this film that I've spent 20 minutes with. I just have to ask because um, because I'm I'm really nervous that I missed something big. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Do we know how he ended up? 
he's, behind the panel. He says um, when he's talking, and I, I, I didn't. I should have gone back and listened to it again because he's talking about how he was working on a particular part, and something happened, and that was like the last thing that he remembers. And I, I didn't check that. They blur over it really quickly. Yeah. It's as yeah. if the film kind of maybe that's the best way to handle it. The film's a little self conscious about like, and then look over here. Yeah, right. because that's <laughs> yeah. that's crazy that he's behind just because there's just it takes so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you get a person? Like I was just like, and that, that if I had like one, frankly, if I had one major complaint about this movie, it would be, I don't know how that happened. I cannot imagine how that could possibly happen. Like it's so, it's so, it's such a huge conceit that I like really wanted just, I was like thirsty for somebody to just like, give me a little bit of a, of like a possible scenario like how how could this have happened like it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense like you you know how nasa works like it doesn't make any sense yeah that's what i said yeah go for carl you know exactly um no that was they spent more time seeming to know that we were looking for a turn because in adr that you hear anna kedrick's character say it really seems like he's here by accident yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong. They're dealing with the potential space crazy instead of the, yeah, he, what? He fell asleep. What is he? Goldilocks? Space Goldilocks. <laughs> but also somebody had to like bolt in the panel, like while he was sleeping, like was that person also sleeping? Like somebody's like, how, like, was there a robot that was doing this and he just got knocked out and he's like in the thing and then the robot's like yep, just doing my job like yeah, right, the right. panel in and it just it was very it felt like I, and i the thing is i feel like somewhere in the story room somebody had a pretty good idea for how that could have happened like it's not like they say and then he's in the panel and they and no one ever like we shall not mention any boy you know i mean like somebody had a decent idea. i'm like just share one of them with us like as a, a conjecture like he doesn't remember anything but maybe this happened i don't know you know i just i don't know it's just it was one of those things that here, so this is the larger point for me is that I never want to be thinking about, I never want to be trying to solve a problem that the movie sure, doesn't yeah. want me to try to solve while oh, the movie is, is doing other things that are important because it's like, I may still be paying attention and whatever, but like if, if I'm, if part of my brain is occupied trying to solve that problem, I am being robbed of my experience of the rest of the movie in some small way, because that bandwidth should not be taken up by that question. So that's, that's 100%. the reason that I, that I kind of like, strain at that a little bit no and that's actually really interesting because it's it certainly is a point that uh, like i said i know that they they talk about it but uh, you know it but they do go through it very quickly to the point where he slipped and fell and then passed out that's right. kind of but if i remember correctly but you're right he's behind a panel you're right so unless there was but another way the, in i mean yeah. per, perhaps there was a way in I mean, and this would make sense right there's a way in from the outside of the ship. He went in there and was doing it. He slipped and fell and was knocked unconscious. Somebody else saw that open panel outside the ship and shut it. Oh, there was that part when he was talking about stripping away to make room for the third person because it was for two. That maybe yeah, but that this was... is not a conversation we should be having. No, it's, point. it's not. Right. It's not. And I and I, I think and I, I I I'm like you're saying this. I'm like, oh, that's a great, that's a great idea. Why wasn't it in the movie? <laughs> it's just like yeah. somebody, somebody sure. should have. Like well, I just you know because it wouldn't have cost that much. It would have cost two or, minutes of them trying to figure out like troubleshoot how this could have happened yeah. for him. 
you know, or the or perhaps the problem is because I, I know they talk about it. Perhaps it is in there and it's just it's covered so fast in in like this this quick conversation that we end up missing it. And because of right. that, it ends up being this big problematic thing where like people are right. dwelling on this like, well, how did it get in there in the first place? It like makes no sense because it is like that has to be explained in order for us to buy into the whole conceit of this film. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, it makes me suspect that they wanted to introduce the tension of him potentially being a space crazy um because <laughs> you know and which is why which is why we get that that line from Zoe who says I really think he was I really think it was by accident it's like I I would have much preferred for them to essentially remain contiguous with the rest of the what the movie is doing which is saying listen there's no space crazies like they're all good people like just don't don't bait and switch me don't red herring me like i don't need that like i'm i'm not here f- for that right like i so you know it wasn't really effective for me to you know wonder i mean his reaction like you said his acting like when he came out of the thing it's like it was so profoundly convincing yeah. that you're not like you don't need the the sort of ooh maybe he's a crazy saboteur like no he's not you know so so then what the interesting question is is not whether or not he's crazy and going to kill everybody the interesting question is how did he get there? And so that's the one that I want them to answer so I don't have to spend the rest of the movie wondering about it. That was a, is an interesting point, though, because you brought up the idea of, like, uh, you know, the, the whole of idea of being a space crazy. And But part of me was like, well, is it just that he's, like, such a fanboy? And Because he he's an engineer. He's training to do this sort of thing. Could it be, like... And and he has a sick sister to boot. So my thinking immediately went to, especially because um, Hyperion, the company that's funding all of this, as soon as they realize what's happened and that he has this sick sister that he's left behind, that he's taking care of and stuff, they go in, they step in, they're fully taking care of her now. And they say, you know, we're going to make sure that she's taken care of the whole time. You don't have to worry about any of this. And, and I'm like, okay, so was that part of his plan? Like, did he jump on here because he thought that they would be, they would take care of his sister because he couldn't anymore and now he's working with uh with his his it seems like his idol in david who he really fawns over uh, as like maybe that's the angle that we're going here and but of course is he like max from space camp (laughs) like he's not there to ruin them but through jinx's help he was sent into space but i mean (laughs) but if it helps at all i mean and if it because we've that didn't bother me that much. Yeah. I was able to swallow it and be like, okay. And they've made it pretty clear that he's not that. And so I was, that didn't bother me too much, but I did. But to Jordan's point, I did have to swallow that quibble and be like, I'm not going to think about this anymore because this film already has interesting things, other interesting things to say. Right. It's a pill you're able to swallow. It just kind of scratches on the way down a little bit. Some would say jagged. Oh, isn't that ironic? Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to this whole idea of the the way the story is constructed, and it's it is such this contained story inside this spaceship. Um, and and you know, also just another point, it's not like an Apollo thirteen sort of ship where they're floating around. Like it's it's on this space station that's doing the the whole gyroscopic spin to kind of create an artificial gravity. So essentially, we're looking at them inside this this ship that is. I mean, it, it's the set, and I, I thought I thought it was very effective. I mean, what do you two think of the way that they constructed the the closed sense of the story? Gorgeous, just gorgeous. I was, I'm such a, I'm such a nerd, man. I I was, I was just like, I mean, it was kibble, man. I was just like eating it. I loved it so much. I mean, when they, when they docked with the, 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 um, MTS station and and they had this, um, (laughs) 
when they had this that when they started to rotate and like you could see the thing just like starting to spin and then they had the tether come i was like yes 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 a thousand times yes i was so <laughs> in it i loved it so much and i did I, I did love that the whole thing the entire movie from start to finish was entirely contained within the space of that vehicle it was great i also i appreciated the conceit of like creating uh, gravity instead of having them float around the whole time because it again let us co- um, uh, focus on the morality play. This is a lifeboat. This is not space. This is a lifeboat problem. This is the trolley problem. I mean, this is an ethical morality question that has been around for forever. So have it be in space and have the space scaries there. But then when it has to do with the real human stuff, have them walk around. I'm going I'm to push, little... push on you a little bit, actually, because I think this is very much about space. Like it, it, it is. You're yeah. right. It is lifeboat. It is a morality tale. But it's like there's a there's a very there's a shrewd recognition that any venture along this line would be that like there's you know one little thing goes wrong and like right. you have this horrible decision that you have to make and you don't need a space crazy person to like put you into the worst possible scenario and like the 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 fact that you know there was gravity yes it like helped it not be distracting like apollo 13 but also once again realistic if you're going to spend that much time in transit if you want to not have severe medical problems months down the road, you need gravity. So, I mean, this is all this stuff. And I, lo- I love that the way that the thing is constructed is that they use the empty fuselage of the, of the, of the booster rocket to like be the counterweight. I mean, so brilliant. Like it's, yeah. it's such, it's such an incredibly well thought out thing. It's like, this is, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm I feel like I was reading a prospectus of this mission. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, really really well considered that was something that was so exciting the way that they designed this station and i think that goes to some of the research they did, i mean i'm assuming because it just felt so authentic the way that they're using the pieces they have they have this they, they call it the kingfisher the 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 back end of the rocket that kind of comes around to act as the counterweight and the way that the whole thing pulls apart and then you have those sails in the middle in between um and then later in the film when they're moving between from one side to the other i was just like Oof. that that was for me one of the most thrilling parts of the film just seeing and the change in the gravity yeah and just seeing how that came together i'm like that was it it it, it was endlessly amazing just watching those parts it makes what jordan said does make a lot of sense when i said that it takes away the space that it was a wrong way to say it what the adding the gravity inside helped humanize and normalize the morality inside just enough, A, to accentuate it when you don't have that outside for the thrill ride of the spacewalk, but then also to be able to have two people sit next to each other and start almost start like tearing up, trying to explain what to do with this impossible problem. It makes the abnormal a little bit normalized just enough to be able to focus on stuff instead of like, oh, I sneezed and now... There's bubbles everywhere because <laughs> space is the worst. Yeah. How do you sneeze, Tommy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's bubbles everywhere. There's bubbles <laughs> everywhere. That's after after he uh, eats his Tide Pods. Yeah. What <laughs> <are you doing? laughs> well, what I what I think is so interesting to that point is that it's brought up several times throughout the film. Is just like how little there is between them in space. Like there's the part right. where they're working on the wall or uh, panels behind the wall, and and Zoe is looking at the 
at kind of the other side. And she's like, I forget how little there is between us and space out there. And I think that's that speaks a lot to just kind of the, the constant danger that they're essentially in because of this environment that they're they're uh, the world that they're in of just being in space and just all of those things. And they bring up a lot of things like the solar flares and and just potential things that could happen. And and we get some of them as payoffs and stuff. And uh, but I, I find it really interesting, just like constant reminders of how just how absolutely dangerous any of this sort of thing really is. Um, can we talk about the solar flare for a second? Because, um, well, first of all, I want to just second everything you guys are saying about the, um, the well, I mean, everything you guys are saying, because like the the, 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 the spacewalk sequence was just, man, the, there are sometimes, sometimes in a movie, I get so like tense that I'm like, that I start internally begging the movie to be gentle with me. <laughs> I started Please. looking away from, like, I would wonder if seeing this in a theater might be, and, and maybe it's because, you know, you've become a little desensitized or oversensitized because we've been away from it. But that was so intense. It was, and I was on was, my couch yeah. Yeah. My yeah. in my lap, but I was yeah. like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I found myself wanting to turn away. And my, yeah. my wife, my wife is, uh, is pregnant. Um, which, oh, we're, which we're just now announcing. So some of your yeah. listeners are hearing this before some of the members of our family. So that's funny. Um, <laughs> what a scoop. But, that's right, right. There you go. You want to uh, hear it first, folks. So, so she's, she's a couple months in and she, she's got like, you know, she's nauseous a lot of the time. And, and I was like, honey, are you okay with this? And she was like having to like turn away and like making sound. She's like, I can't, she's like, yeah, she's just better. He just better not throw up, throw up inside his helmet. Oh. <laughs> she's, you're lucky yeah. you didn't show her the first half when Daniel, the, him was like having that <laughs> right. hard time with yes. the launch. And then as soon as they, they turn the, the thing in, or they start spinning the ship. Like once they get everything set up with the thing and you get that constant rotation out the windows of all the stars. Like oh, I was yeah. feeling nauseated, yeah. like yeah. watching all like, about it. Like, uh, oh, please shut those windows. I can't look at this anymore. Yeah, giving me like, like bodily anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so good. Uh, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about, so uh, speaking of once again, the solar flare sequence, yeah, yeah. which I thought yeah. was really a, a brilliant setup, a brilliant payoff. Um, you know, once again, very, very authentic. I'm the solar flare sequence being, Hey, we've got to get back. We're out of time. Yes. Yes. Okay, and then, ahead. and then when, and then when Zoe has to, you know, ultimately spoilers, um, decides those are also solar flares. Those, the green stuff is solar yeah, the green right, stuff. Right, right. So, so this is what I'm wondering is, uh, you know, I get the need to do that like visually maybe, but like, um, I, I kind of wish they hadn't, um, I kind of wish they hadn't because like, I don't think it's real. I could be wrong. I'd love to like do some reading on it. I, I don't like think that, that you would see visual. Flares, yeah, you're not. You I don't think you're going to see it. I don't think you're going to see the radiation. I think it's, it's something that just like, it's, it's an, it's a, I mean, it's gamma and it's, it's x-rays. It's like, can I, well, can I expand on please. what you're saying? Yes. Because, yes. because this is what it's described as now it's Wikipedia, but they, they describe it as, and I'll tell you, reading through the Wikipedia plot synopsis, it's very technical. Like there are a lot of things in here. Like it sounds like NASA code, uh, but it they, me they so call much. I know it's really fantastic. <laughs> it's called a CME high energy solar flare and a CME is a coronal mass ejection which is a significant release of plasma and accompanying magnetic field from the solar corona so that's how i would have said it yeah. <laughs> right so it's actually yeah, yeah, yeah. so there On is point. this this other stuff that's actually coming out too so i guess that so i would just i would want to yeah. consult a a scientist sure, sure. about yeah. whether it would be visible and and the fact that it was visible around the sort of their you know 
their main part of their ship um that sort of habit the wow, man i'm i don't know what a what what would nasa call it i don't know the thing they live on anyway <laughs> uh around that main sort of hull and space then when car. she went yeah the spa- around the space car and then when she got up onto the tether it was you didn't see it anymore and so i was wondering like what is the what are the dyna- what are the dynamics around this and the reason I, I bring that up is because um a it's and i'm more of a nerd so i, I think most people are just going to kind of take it in stride like yeah there's the sonar solar flare it's it's hitting them and there's a bunch of radiation you can see it it's, ah, it's killing her um which is awful uh i'm sitting there wondering if, if you would actually see it um and i i feel a lot more there's a lot more of like the horror element to me if you know that when you walk past a certain point you're just going to start dying and you don't get to see what's doing it. Um, And then you can maybe like more of a Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. P.S. Chernobyl. My gosh, did they do it right? Yeah. Like every scene. But even Chernobyl, they made sure that you heard that. Yeah. Yeah. The sound effect thing was was very. But I mean, I didn't bring that up to I, I brought that up to be like, don't do you maybe need some of that to really ratchet up. To have it be um, tangible, tangible is not the right word, but, you know, identifiable enough. If you don't see it, we always use radiation. You always have that sound. You've got, no one yeah. just sort of walks through. Yeah. So, room. so, so what's interesting to me is, um, and this, this is, this is, uh, and once again, I feel bad. I feel kind of bad about, about uh, talking about this or about positing these, these ideas because I'm like, I'm not sure. Maybe it is authentic maybe like that would happen um and i would love to i would love to know because um because if it did i'd be like that's sick that's awesome like i'm so glad they did that but if but if it's not real if they thought if they were essentially what i'm saying is this movie was not pandering to us at any point in the story and if they chose to start pandering there i'm like i wish you i wish you hadn't because you can sell the danger you can sell the peril you can sell the horror of that situation without pandering like you don't need to pander. All you have to do is set it up the right way. You have to say, like, for instance, the captain says, "Hey," or the commander says, "Hey," uh, you know, like wh- whatever. She she can explain it like easily. She could like, you know, you're not going to see it. It'll just kill you. Like you it's just you'll slowly deteriorate under a constant barrage of radiation that you cannot see or hear or smell or taste. It's just happening, and you'll what die. A terrible pep talk. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, which is ta- which is which is awful. But like that could that would have I think that would have been so much more kind of effective and less pandery. Instead, it's like oh, it's it's beautiful. Too bad it's deadly. You know, I mean, which yeah, is I feel yeah. like we've seen that. You know, we've seen that kind of thing before. I just I, it, it feel it felt a little. It felt a little, uh, a little extra to me. Would you well, have I felt mean, that in most movies, or because this one, this one, this one, so seemingly meticulous. Job. Yes, that's that's my point. Okay. It's it did Got such it. a good job of being so careful with all those details, and I'm saying, don't let that be the moment that you decide to start playing down to your audience and and not uh, not respecting them enough to let them right. experience that as it would really be. Absolutely. Um, and once again, I could be wrong. Maybe it would happen. Maybe something. To Jordan's point, they say the acronym CDRA 900 times, <laughs> and it's about an hour later when we finally learn Figure out what that it, it is. scrubs, that it's carbon dioxide removal assembly. Exactly. I'd already yeah. looked it up because I was at home. Yeah, you're like, what? Well, just just to, I, I don't know the scientific accuracy of any, like the CME, like th- all of the way that these these uh, radiation from the solar flares active, actually work. But it no does enough. say when it's this particular CME type, there's a lot of matter that is also 
kind oh. of ejected with the radiation. So it's possible that this is what it looked like. I really don't know. Um, but I totally see your point. I think that's a very valid point um, based on, on all of this. Because, again, the film is doing such a good job of being so... Uh, I don't know, just just putting it in such a realistic sense of the way that everything is happening, the way that we're experiencing the story. It all feels like authentic. And I, I, I would hate to think that that's, like you said, that that's where they decided to, uh, to kind of play. Stop trusting the audience. Exactly. That's what it comes exactly. down to. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, but, I, think, uh, I think as she goes, and, and who knows, but I think seeing her as her skin is starting to kind of go through the motions of, of falling apart due to the radiation, I think that may have been enough, but... Yeah, it would have been. I promise yeah. you. If her, her increased fatigue and, like, her, like, kind of gasping at the, like, yeah. ongoing suffering that you're experiencing and, like, you know, I, anyway, I'll stop. I, because the thing is that like, <laughs> well, I, loved, great point, I loved though. that yeah. sequence. Yeah. I loved that sequence. And I loved, I mean, her performance was, I mean, Anna, Anna Kendrick just like, I mean, she blew it out of the water. It was so mm. good. It was so good. Um, and great, Tony Collette, like I keep thinking about that moment. I like that moment keeps coming back to me. Just like her line where she says when, when they're, when they're saying, well, how long can this last? You know, they're thinking, well, we, we, we could go back out and get this, this extra oxygen tank. And, yeah. um, and they're trying to figure it out. And she's like, hours and yeah. and you're and and you just you feel the despair the the yeah. horror the no, the knowledge that this is just like it's all falling apart and it's anyway it's just such a beautiful such a beautiful sequence such great performances um i mean i, I i'm a nitpicker sometimes and i don't want to let that get in the way of like the overwhelming appreciation i had for this movie in almost every respect and that sequence as well and especially was so good in pretty much every way how nice was it to see uh, Tony Collette playing an Australian again after all these years? <laughs> it's like <laughs> I was like, was it Muriel's wedding? Was that the last time that I heard her using her original accent? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but no, she was great. The moment for me it was it was like I think just moments after that, and it's when she's saying to Anna Kendrick, she's like, you know, I would do it if I could, or she says something like that. I, you know, I, I wish I could do it um, because she can't. She's the captain of the ship. She's not the one who can go on this mission. And that played so authentically, like Michael offered himself up. He said, I'll do it. And they're like, you, you can't, you don't have the training for it. If you fail, that means one of us is going to die. So it has to be either Zoe or David. And like, that I don't know. I found that to be a really interesting way to play that because, and, and I, I I put this in the David notes. being Daniel Day Kim, just reminding people about yeah yeah yeah. Um, but I um uh, and I put this in the notes, but you know, as as being a little uh, cheeky, but the whole idea of like they could have made this a film that has a strong ending by having Michael the stowaway be the one who's like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to save all of you because I shouldn't have been here, and he's the one who goes out and and uh, secures the oxygen so that they can all live. Like, that's totally like a Hollywood way to end this film. And they don't do that. They do it in the most realistic way possible. I was going to say, I thought that they were starting to make a real play that David, David has a number of scenes where he's like, all of my reason for being here is gone. Yeah. Right? Of like, yeah, yeah he's like, my chlorophyll yeah. is gone. Everything's gone. I was wondering if they were going to go that way. Yeah, and he's the and he's the one that introduces the you know the the way out you know the suicide plan right exactly. But he had a wife, and I was like, "There's no way they're going to let him do it." I mean, I, like, I think that Good here's point. the thing. I think that the I think that the 
the I think the Hollywood way would have been to have David do it because he's the one who comes in and gives him the the way out, the suicide way out. Um, so he needs a redemption moment, right? Like he was not fighting for the extra time. He was not fighting for the the solution. And so um, and so to have him be the one that doesn't sacrifice himself, not because he doesn't want to by that point, but because he literally can't is a really beautiful way to handle huh. that story. Really, really beautiful. I, That's I, right. It's not a redemption story. None of this is, except even Andrew Kendrick's story is not a redemption story. It makes it makes a clear line of her personal empathy and morality in her stance is she cannot let this yeah. happen. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really great because um, life isn't about redemption. Life is about love and meaning. And you don't hmm. get to choose what happens. You don't get to choose how things play out. You just do the absolute best you can with what you have in the given circumstance. You have to just deal with it, whatever it is. And what I love that this movie didn't, it doesn't lead with theme. It doesn't have like an agenda. It just, it's telling a humanism story, hmm. um, oh, which nice. I love so much because it's not, um, it's very personal. So, yeah. So it's like in the calculus, in the morality calculus of storytelling, you could make a case for any one of them doing the thing, like sacrificing themselves, whatever. The it, it seems like the rules of the universe that were constructed around this movie um, necessitated uh, ultimately that Zoe be the one to go sacrifice herself, um, and it also uh, it, it also but it, but it also feels like the most authentic choice. It feels like the thing that had to have happened ultimately, and and it also because it's sort of real life and because it's authentic and because of the character that we see in Zoe. Um, what am I trying to say? It just, it feels very earned. It feels the most meaningful. I mean, that was it. like her, her, her monologue, her um, story about the guy on the beach. Being like, the was, lifeguard. Yeah. Yeah. Just a knockout. Like that was so, yeah. so good. Yeah. It was so good. And going, going out there to save that guy, getting there, not having barely any energy for him when she got there, holding on to him anyway, knowing she was running out of energy. Um, and then the the key moment, right? I mean, the key moment, and it's it, it, it you can see it coming, so it's not like this gosh wow moment, but like it doesn't matter because it is it is the the essential beauty of this movie is that she says she she didn't know she didn't know there was anybody coming. She just could not have lived with herself if she had not exerted that effort. And it's not it's not a you know the, the thing isn't about like hey. Um, you know, God exists. And I mean, I am, I am a believer, but like, I also don't really believe much in an interventionist God. I think things just happen and you just deal with it. And the whole point is to learn. The whole point is to like, learn who you are, to connect other people, to learn to love people and to, and to whatever your set of values and virtues is to be, to be totally, to have total integrity about that. And, and so at the end of the movie, she doesn't prove that things will just work out by putting herself out there and then surviving anyway, she says, I'm going to die, but this is still the right decision. It, it was the right decision then. And it's the right decision. Now, then I got lucky. It was great. Somebody was there. Amazing. But that's not why I went out. I didn't go out there believing like, Oh, somebody's going to save me. Eventually I went out there because it was the right thing to do. There was no other question to answer. No, I love that because I thought that the 
lazier and more Hollywood version of that would have been she st- was about to go out there, but she knew that the jet things, the jet streams were too strong. So I couldn't do it. And I've regretted it ever since. And now I have a clear redemption path. And now I have survivor's remorse, all that. Mm. Instead, this is a more layered situation of she just went out there kind of on a leap of morality faith. Yeah. Um, which is just better than yeah. it's yeah, it's so much better the way that they they build that. My question for both of you now, because I, I think we're all in agreement about this, do we need that last bit of voiceover at the end? The last thing we hear is her voice kicking in. I applied to the heart program because I thought it would be a funny story to get rejected by Hyperion, but now I realize that this was one of those rare opportunities that could truly give my life meaning beyond anything I could imagine. It was a bad line the first time. It was a bad line at the end. And I, and it didn't it didn't totally kill it for me, but like yeah, we absolutely didn't need it. And in almost every case when there's voiceover, there doesn't need to be voiceover. Like in almost every case, especially anyway. Yeah, man. Just, I, they really shocked me that that kicked in all of a sudden. I'm like, where, where did this come? We haven't had this throughout the film and all of a sudden yeah. we're getting this. 100% yeah. unnecessary. Ugh. Yeah. But we're us. I mean, just speaking, we're us. And for a lot of people, her just sort of like slowly wheezing out while admittedly staring at something beautiful is a real downer. And you need to give people, if you're going to try to give people a little bit of a pat on the back or a happy boost, I don't, while I don't exactly like the writing, it's a more elegant way to do it than to flash back to earth. And we have like a big Anna Kendrick parade or like a bunch of like, like, or like, or even like a bunch of like slow-mos of like times that they were laughing in the ship and stuff, you know, uh, intermixed with her sort of looking at the stuff. There's a lot of grosser ways to go about it. Oh, for sure. But like, but once again, like, I'm going to go back to that same comment, like predominantly throughout the movie, we weren't pandered to. So it makes it even stick out even more. Exactly. Why, why now guys? Why now? And I, 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 you know, I mean, it's Netflix. So Netflix, famously gives their creative their creators a lot a lot of room uh to do what they want to do and so you know if this had been another movie if it, i should say if it had been another studio that did this movie i would have blamed an executive i would have been said sure. you know, somebody during a test screening said it's too depressing you got to put something in there to give you got to give people give people something at the end but it, i don't think i don't think anybody did that i mean maybe they did maybe they did but like i think it's more likely that it was a bit of a creative misstep they lost the faith in their audience for just a second. They were like, are they just going to feel like this is a downer? Cause it's not, I better put this in there. And which is why it was probably written to begin with. Right. Sure. Like it was like the reason it was bad writing in there is because they wanted that line in the end at which my gosh, g- give my life meaning. Come on, like kill me. Like, no, d- don't say that. Humans don't say that. No, <laughs> my mama always it said was... <laughs> stowaways are the best of us. And you're like, what? Oh. Where are you from? <laughs> It, I mean, it's funny that you bring up the whole idea of like test screenings because when I heard that, I'm like, God, did, did they ha- play this for a test audience and they were just too depressed at the ending? So they they put this in here. So it's funny that you bring up the whole idea with Netflix and everything because you're right. And because with COVID and everything, it's very likely that they didn't have any test audiences. Um, I, I So who knows? I mean, it could have been Anna Kendrick. 
she might have wanted something. I don't know if you both noticed, but I mean, aside from the ridiculously long of, uh, list of producers involved in the film, she was an executive producer on the film too. So it's possible that was something oh. that she was pushing for for her character. Who knows? I just don't know. Uh, it just I, I I was disappointed that they put that in there. I felt like that we really yeah. didn't need it by that point. Regardless but. of whose fault it is, it was a bad decision. Like you know, just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whose fault. Um, you know what I'm reminded of, uh, uh, and, and I think this is a the, the the last space movie that I was one of the last space movies that I was really really excited for was Ad Astra, like oh, the previews, yeah. sure. And oh. and then I went and saw it, and it was utterly, completely wall to wall ruined by narration, like absolutely devastated by narration like i interesting I, I promise you i promise you with my entire like confidence that if you took a cut of that movie and stripped away all of the voiceover narration just that made that one single change that movie would be 10 times better and it would and you you would lose nothing I, d- I don't know the i mean i know we did it as a as a film board episode back when we did it i don't care i don't think i was on it but um i don't know the story of it but i know it was um a a space version of what you would call it the apocalypse now story hearts of darkness mm-hmm. and so which i believe at least i know in the the coppola version there's a lot of narration too and i i don't know if the book has a lot of narration so i wondered if they went that way because of that i i don't know and i was i saw the movie and i was on that episode and we did bring that up yeah as a it felt i like what you just said about the hearts of darkness thing but it didn't feel that it felt yeah. like we have to explain all of the inner thoughts right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. of Brad Pitt. And he might as well have just said space daddy issues, space daddy issues <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. yeah. So I got, a, I got a question for you both. Uh, oh, just a, a, a small shift. There was, but there was a point that I was brought questions, up. questions, Tommy. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, it makes go. one of us. There yeah. you go. There was a, there was a, a conversation that David, uh, Daniel Day Kim's character had with Michael, uh, Shamir Anderson's character, when they were, when he was kind of help getting him set up to start helping with the all the the microgreens and everything as they were growing everything, and they're he's playing his jazz music, and they have this oh, the conversation. Space jazz. That's this, right. Yeah, it's a great conversation. I really enjoyed it's how it's going, Tommy. It's just jazz. <laughs> but <laughs> everything in space is automatically space. Anything? Did you see that one? Jazz. Did you see them with their space chopsticks? <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole thing about this though was like I was like. It felt like they were setting us up for a theme, right? I mean, Michael's talking about it. It just sounds like chaos. And 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 David was talking about it as this form of pure expression. They each kind of do their own thing, but then they it always comes back and finds the balance. And I was I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing that bothered me, but I was like, I feel like they're introducing this because it feels like this was a great setup. And now we're gonna see how when they're thrust into this situation with this extra person on the ship, it's gonna turn into like jazz on the ship. They're all gonna figure out how to do their own special thing and uh find balance and everything and i you know it's one of those things i'm probably reading into it far more than i should but it it stuck out to me it might have been helpful if at one point you know you you could hear him saying that thing again you know while other things were happening so that you knew (laughs) (laughs) it actually worked for me andy because it was if you are if you sort of squint your eyes and turn your head a little bit and i'm not joking it is a little bit of what goes on in the morality play in the ship. Like they are thrown, it seems like chaos. Mm -hmm. There's a stowaway. How can that ever possibly happen? Everyone has certain strengths. 
And then sometimes they go off and do their own thing that only they are able to do. And then ultimately balance is found. Yeah. That's kind of a way that to explain from a very macro view of what the film does. Every character has their own things that they need to do without one of them. Everything else sort of maybe falls apart. And then there's just certain times when you have to be on a solo spacewalk or you have to do a jazz space thing. I'm starting to get uncomfortable. I was with you. I was yeah. with you. <laughs> no, but I think that's what it is. Is just it is that's what humanity in in strife situations is. Yeah. Is it's everyone trying to play their part and then balance was ultimately restored in the best way that it could with everyone doing the one thing that they were the best at or had to do. Yeah. And I think you're I, I love uh what you said about you know it being if we're talking about genuine like human real life morality plays, uh which everybody's life is a morality play, right? That's how it works. You 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 know people are gonna do what they do. You can't plan it. You can't expect it. You can't. I mean, it's not it's not written down. It's not written down. Nothing's written down. Right. This is probably the best thing about the I mean, I love I love that being an allegory for the story or a metaphor or whatever, because uh, jazz. What is jazz? Jazz is music that's not written down. Yeah. Correct. Um, and in this story, uh, everything but it's very is collaborative. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Ultimately, nothing's written down, and also you don't want you don't always succeed. It's not like every single note's right. You know, everything lands, everything's perfect. It's like no, you just kind of you try to figure it out. You hit some, you don't hit some, and you keep going. And in this in this story, everything was very written out. Right? I mean, it's a NASA trip to Mars. Like every line is written out. But then, of course, you get out there, and then oh, we now have a. You know, we have this 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 curveball and suddenly nothing is written anymore. So it, right, like, it turns right, the entire right. thing. It goes from being a symphony to a jazz concert. It's like, uh, yeah, I think that's great. That's good. I like that. Yeah. If one of the members did fall, become a villain because he got the space crazies, like we talked about before, it would be like a drum solo that goes on way too long. <laughs> or it would be the opposite of balance. Like it would be like someone comes in and is like, now it's time for the oboe to shine. And it was like, oh no, no one cares for oboe bill. Uh, but instead it did find its own balance again. I want I want a shirt that says nobody cares for oboe bill. That's <laughs> too good. Oboe bill ruins everything. Oboe bill's right. the worst. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, well, all right. Well, so what else do you do you two want to talk about? I mean, we, the performances. I mean, great performances here. Uh, direction. Is there anything else that either of you want to call out specifically? Uh, I'm a, one more one more quick note just yeah, about yeah. the the economy of this screenplay. Um, I really loved. The moment when, and this this is kind of harking back to earlier conversations, I, I feel a little embarrassed when I bring stuff like this up because like it's not that important, but I just like geek out about it. Um, the, you know, as they're, as they're during the launch sequence, uh, you know, there's an engine inefficiency or something, right? Mm -hmm. And they're and they're like, oh no, are we going to be able to make it to the MTS? And it's like, and and she's got her hand on the, the launch button. Once again, this is, the abort button, right? Yeah, and this is yeah, an illustration right. of how everything is so written, right? Like, she's prepared to abort because there is a tiny fractional difference in yeah. engine efficiency. Sure. Like, she's prepared to abort the entire mission, which would cost billions upon billions of dollars because it cannot be, it cannot be unpredictable, right? Yeah. So, anyway, and it's it's great because that 
a moment like that both um, totally serves the theme of the movie and the, the sort of ideas that it's trying to get across and perfectly sets up plot wise. Right. Because like, why was there an engine inefficiency? Because there was an extra human being right. on the ship that was not accounted for. And that produced just that fraction amount of drag, which which jeopardized their ability to get to get to the MTS. So love that. Love that, man. And, and that was something that was really pleasing. Would have been, I think, really, really pleasing to see on the second time through. Um, but, you know, on the first time through, knowing, having seen the preview, knowing that there was a stowaway, I was like, oh, it's because there's a stowaway. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I felt so smart <laughs> as the audience. Anyway. And then I think I remember that the ship is called the USS Stowaway. So the fact that no one saw it coming is crazy. Um, I, For my final thought, I just want to re-up something that Jordan said in the very beginning, which was my favorite part of this movie, is that there's no real villains. Yeah, They're all right. honorable, smart, beautiful, compassionate people. Some are a little bit more practical or pragmatic than others, but there's just no... I keep going back to the abyss. I don't know why, but like, there's no Lieutenant coffee. There's yeah, no right. person that just can't handle it because then it's just, it's such a straight arrow to defeat that. And instead you just have to put your feet down and your hands in the air. I don't know what the <laughs> phrase is, but put your head forward and solve the problem, work the problem and figure it out. It's really refreshing, especially in a space movie where, oh, right, Interstellar, Matt Damon had the space crazies. There's so many space crazies yeah, right. movies. This, it's nice to have a, the villain is space. Yeah. Gravity would probably be the closest comparison right. as far as, you yeah. know, they're just dealing with, you know, actual space craziness. Right. You know, you don't need a person to no. sabotage things. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like reality will sabotage you plenty. Exactly. I think that's, right. uh, you know, and, you know, nothing against uh, space crazies narratives. Um, no, I loved I loved the movie Sunshine. Oh, yeah. Uh, I brought absolutely. That up earlier. Sunshine. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think Event Horizon is like a a horrifying movie, movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about space crazy and it's really effective. Like no, nothing against those narratives, but like no. you don't, you certainly don't need to use that narrative. And no, um, and I, and I, it is incredibly refreshing to see the, the rigor with which they bring this, this kind of, this kind of story to life and say, you know, there's, there's plenty to work with in reality. Let's just respect it, research it and bring it to life. Agreed. Those are my yeah. thoughts now. I said that. <laughs> that was that was all Tommy Metz the third. <laughs> well, it's I mean, it's I, I it was very exciting for me to see uh, Joe Pena certainly is somebody I want to see more of. Yeah, he, got, he got to start. I brought up his his a.k.a. Mystery Guitar Man. That's where he started on YouTube. Yeah. What's in that? the early days, he was a, a YouTube sensation back in the early days. Uh, Playing from Brazil. the guitar? Uh, I don't know. He just did all sorts of videos and he was like back in the early, like the aughts, he was very, very popular huh. and, um, and then slowly started shifting into, uh, you know, he's from Brazil and started shifting into some projects film projects. And then, um, yeah, but it wasn't Seems until like he's Arctic directed a, a couple years ago. Shorts, right. I thought I saw on his IMDb, he has like 900,000 shorts. That seems like a lot of shorts. That, that he was making one a day. <laughs> They're about one minute long. They're not great. They're <laughs> like, I'm on my way to the toaster. Almost there. 
Like, yeah, right. It's it's a very real time. Thing. It was an iterative process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know if any of the YouTube stuff ends up, but I mean, he's got millions of followers there, and he just started doing all sorts of making of videos and stuff. So oh, it's, wow. who knows? I don't know where he's it all. Yeah. Absolutely, someone that I would love to see more from. Yeah, and now I I really want to go back and see Arctic and and like think about it as a possible, you know, first. I haven't seen it. I love Mads Mikkelsen, so I feel feel kind of dumb for having missed that one. Um, Also, I just one quick note. I guess this is not really a note about the movie. It's more of a well, it's a note about Joe Pena and kind of a meta note about you know creativity and filmmaking. Like this really is something. Like we do live in an age where, uh, an era where people can make stuff for uh, way less cost and headache and hassle i mean it take it's so so low of an investment to make things now that it used to be um the people who take advantage of that like they're going to eclipse the people who don't and you can tell the you can tell the guys who go out there and like i really want to make a first movie and they haven't made anything and then they go make a first movie and it's just not very good and then you can tell the guys who have been out there just working just like learning the craft just by iteration just over and over and over and over um and i you know and it shows it shows in the work um when a movie like this you know gets made uh and you see it and you're like wow it's it's so it's so you know it has such great economy it's so smart it's so whatever it's like that didn't happen just because he's so like brilliant naturally it happened because he's practiced as an artist as craft for a long time and so you know, he knows, he knows how to do it. He's learned it. Um, and I, anyway, I just want to kind of hats off for people who are willing to put in the work. Absolutely. Yeah. And hopefully it's a continuation of our drawing back from that, um, obsession of making, uh, music video directors, directors <laughs> and throwing huge things because for every David Fincher, we have 900 whoever directed swordfish, like they're great at the visuals, but then story character, all of that nuance, all of that is completely destroyed. So it's great. Cause if you have to start small, a lot of this movie in a way could be a play. Absolutely. Yeah, totally could. Right. If you take the spacewalk out of it, this could be a play and a real, well, I guess we've been saying the word morality play over and over again. Um, and that's so important. That's the real, from there comes then, that's where you put the icing on. You don't start yeah. it. You don't start with the icing and then try to build the cake. Oh, yeah. boy, oh, boy. What a phrase maker. Okay. <laughs> no, very true. I mean, if it's good enough icing. That's, yeah. it, right. <laughs> that's true. I, actually, for Have most people. Swiss buttercream? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. I throw that red velvet in the trash. I, I mean, I think that this movie is definitely something that's got to be worth re- uh, watching and spending more time with and just kind of getting a sense of. So I'm really thrilled that we got a chance to talk about it, guys. What, um, so Letterboxd out of far, five stars, um, where would you guys land with this? And would you give it the famous Letterboxd heart or not? Oh, so exciting. Tommy, Tommy, where, where are you going to land with this one? Yeah. Because I just watched it, I might lower it a little bit later because. Once you sort of know everything that's there, there's not a ton of there there. It's a very small story, but maybe that's a good thing. I'm going to say four points. Stars, what are we doing? Four letter boxes. 
I'm going to give it four podcasts. How many stowaways are you going to are you going to put on it? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it four stowaways. How many stowaways wonder, will you bolt into its walls? Yeah, yeah. I would maybe say I would say like three point seven five, but that doesn't seem to be an option. So I'm going to say four. Okay, and I'm yes, it it has yes my, heart. my heart. Okay, is this out of what is this? Out, out of five? five? Yeah, out of out five, five stars. Yeah. Well, first before. Uh, I'm going to be annoying and rude uh, and and say one more thing about the movie. Of course, is, sure. There was this, there was the, there was, a, uh, there was a bunch of times where I was like, oh, they've been out there for so long. Would the earth still really be so big? And I had to like accept that it would. And then at the very end, and I love this at the very end when she's sitting there and we're hearing that dumb monologue and you see Mars. Yeah. And you're like, oh man. Yeah. yeah right. They would, they would see earth just getting smaller and uh-huh. Mars getting a little bigger. And right. like they would literally see that the whole time. Yeah. And I got like, my heart kind of broke open at that point. I was like, really like that was, that's awesome. It was a really profound moment. And and I like, once again, a very bold, very spare, very authentic choice. And like very effective. Uh, how many Michaels will I bolt into the, uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the right. walls of the show? Nice. How many Michaels? Um, I, I would say, um, I think I'm going to, can I, can we do halvesies? You can, can you yes. can. I'm going to, I'm going to say three and a half. Um, I like it because I would need to, you know, I need to go back and see it again before I'd feel confident giving it like a solid four or above, but, sure. um, yeah. but I mean, it really earned every single half of those hearts. So, and, and would you give it a heart too? The other box uh, has these, the star rating. It just and means then like, you give like it a heart. or not. Like, yeah. I think Gosh, you would man. give it a like. Ratings are so dumb guys. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. You know what we did for the last hour and a half? We gave it a rating. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is arbitrary numbers. What is this? I know. Uh, yeah, no, I like it. I like it. Absolutely. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Give it a heart. Because Jordan sure. got to say something last. I want to say something last. Oh, <laughs> is oh, at one okay. point because I spend most of my time, I've spent most of my time during COVID in my apartment talking to my dog. I played at one point Jeff who is the name of the character that uh, Tony Collette is talking to from Hyperion. Because <laughs> you never hear yeah. no, anything. Right. It's it's really cool about the isolation oh, that they yeah. do. You never hear the other side. You just hear. And so every once in a while, when she'd be like, you have to tell me some good news. And I'd be like, I don't know. in and outs coming. Like, we're doing our best. <laughs> like, I would add in what Jeff thinks. Or he'd be like, <laughs> he'd be like, there's so much air. Go into the next compartment. Why aren't you listening? She's like, that's not an option. I'm like. Girl, the closet is right there. So that's a fun skit so that you, you can do. So I'm get from what, I get, what I'm getting from this is that you'd be really fun to watch movies with. Yes, as long as everyone's drunk. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I Andy, think that it's a. What's I it going to be? I know, I know. You know, I think I'm landing at three and a half. Also, okay. uh, with a heart. It's, yep. I, you know, it's a film that I think could easily go up to four. Um, I, you know, I think that the for me the the pace was a little slow, but I, sure. I was very into everything that was going on. And I think down the road, thinking about it, I would remember the pace and I go, ah, I, it's, it's a slower one to sit through, but in the end, I think I'd still be happy with it. But that, I think that's going to keep, keep me a wall up for it. So I'm going to say three and a half. It's interesting you say that because on this go around, I called it patient, Yeah, but yes, it's 20 minutes before the first inciting incident. Yeah, right. Before right, Stowaway yeah. Magoo falls through the thing. And after, like, before that, it's just sort of like a real time, you know, walking around a ship. So, yeah, yeah that's an interesting yeah, yeah. point. 
So where does that leave us? Yeah, it leaves it at three and, a, and two thirds is where we'll sit. So you know that will round that. It's uh, a bad decimal. From yeah, what I, remember I know algebra. It is. It is. We, we're going to round it down to three and a half and a heart. And you know, I think that's fine. I think that's a great place for this film. It's a really interesting film. Definitely worth talking about. I uh, had a great time talking with the two of you about it. Thanks so much for uh, joining me tonight to talk about it. My pleasure, Jordan. Yeah, likewise, likewise. I said Every- it was my pleasure first. Well, you did. I was waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody, don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers. You can learn more at thenextreel.com slash discord. And if you're interested in supporting us to help keep the lights on and get some great benefits while you're at it, head to thenextreel.com slash membership. Thanks for joining us here on the film board. Meeting adjourned. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and the Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Mm-hmm.